Welcome to Clear as Quantum, an Equus podcast about quantum science and the way it is changing our world. In this spooky podcast at a distance, we try to dust the cobwebs out of the quantum physics realm that's entangling our lives. And today, we're doing that live on stage at the Big Fort Theatre in Brisbane. I'm Lachlan Rogers, and I work at the University of Newcastle in New South Wales, and this week, I have been at the instigation of Virgin Australia experimentally probing the limits of superposition due to flight cancellations and the need to thus be in two places at once. I'm Tim Hirsch, I'm uh, from the University of Queensland and this week I've much more mundanely been satisfying the peer review process to get work into the public domain. Very nice. Well, Equus is the Centre of Excellence for Engineered Quantum Systems, funded by the Australian Research Council. And in this season of Clear as Quantum, we're looking at ubiquitous technologies that already rely thoroughly on quantum science, sometimes in hidden ways. However, today, in this episode, we're switching it up to talk about things that loudly claim to be quantum, but are they really? And our special guest today is Kristen Harley, who's the comms and outreach person at Equus, Kristen, what quantum activities have you been doing recently? Hi both, thanks very much for having me as your guest. Uh, this week, I have been starting to plan the Equus Annual Report, uh, which is a compulsory thing we have to do each year to show we're spending our money wisely and the government's money wisely. But it's also an exciting time because I get to look back over a year of research and activities and pick which I'm going to highlight. That sounds good. I can't wait to read the report. I hope the podcast features in the report. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I guess it's pretty much time for us to talk about some quantum products. I mean, if we're going to talk about products and we're going to try and pitch whether they're quantum or not, I think we do need some criteria here. I mean, can you tell me in a sentence what quantum is? I have an answer that I have given many times and I increasingly think it might not be fully true. Well, that's... <laughs> the answer is this. Quantum relates to the word quantity, which relates to the idea of discrete allowed levels, let's say of energy or of position or of almost any observable, in contrast to our more experiential view of the world, which tends to make us think of continuum range of energies. So if things come in in chunks or sort of individuals or they, they're quantized in some way, that would make them quantum? Yeah, the quantized is sort of where this word comes from, the discreteness. I like to describe it to people, if you went down to the playground and swung on a swing, you like to think that you could swing with any, I was gonna say amplitude, let's say height, any height of oscillation. But if an electron went to an electron playground and played on the electron swings, they can't swing with any height of swinging. They have only discrete quantized levels. That's the word quantum. Okay, I would love to go to an electron playground. <laughs> you can't, you're not an electron. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you must it. be below this height. Um. <laughs> exactly. Do you, do you have a better answer, Tim? Because there's a couple of reasons why I don't like the answer I just gave. Well, that's what my thoughts immediately went to. It's, it's why don't you like it? Well, mm, it's because of the existence of superposition, which means that real quantum systems can actually exist in a superposition of two of those allowed discrete states. So the nuance is that they can only be measured to be in those discrete states. It's not that they can only exist in them. Hmm. Mm. You can yeah. get a continuous mix-up, superposition of what are discrete, but you can yeah. mix them continuously. Yeah, I fear that that's a very deep rabbit no, hole. No, we've probably already lost the audience. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, when we went on the road on the National Quantum and Dark Matter Road Trip, I, I think we sort of kept it quite high level and said that if you think of the people, planets, stars around us and how the world works, they are all governed by what we call classical physics. 
whereas quantum physics is the quantum of the very, very small and kind of left it at that without any nuance. I'm not sure if that helps us for the podcast, um, <laughs> but, but yeah. Okay, so, so you're going to pitch to me that products come in just quantized. Well, so that's one aspect. I think there's some other famously quantum physics revolves around wave functions, uh, Schrodinger's wave equation. So if you can have something that you could articulate or argue convincingly as a wave as well as a particle, I think that's very quantum. All right. Well, I'm, I'm convinced. I'm, I'm ready, ready okay. to hear more about quantum products. I think so. We've also got the, um, the entanglement. That's another big, ah. another big uh, buzzword you might hear in products as well. Entanglement, spooky action at a distance, things affecting other things. Far. You've already heard some of that in the intro to this podcast. <laughs> mm -hmm. so. so we're yeah. looking for products yeah. that will have these buzzwords. We are. And the game we're going to play, if you will play along, is we're going to pitch products to you as an audience, and we're going to see how how convinced you are that they are in fact quantum products. So listen carefully, there will be an exam on, on this podcast. Tim, do you have one that you'd like to fire off with? I do have one. Okay. Quantum batteries. So, you know, you've got your batteries, your car batteries, phone batteries, you plug them in, you, you push energy in, energy comes out when you use it, you recharge it, use it over and over. Quantum batteries, take that, but use the powers of entanglement to sort of make it all charge better and faster and organize coherently. So if you get a battery that's even bigger, it charges even faster. So at least you had 10 times a bigger battery, you could charge it in one-tenth of the time. Ooh. At that level, does it sound like a believable product to you? Uh, it sounds like it's not real to me. I mean, no. I, I've <laughs> seen when you put your little batteries into the TV remote and one goes plus minus and the other one goes Plus minus. That feels entangled. You've ah, kind of felt like the... Yeah, the triple A's in that TV remote. Yeah, yeah. They don't work if you put them the same way up. They've <laughs> got to be the opposite way up. I love this because you've both linked what we do have and what we don't have in your responses. <laughs> yes. So what is quantum? What I described is very similar to some experimental work happening in terms of quantum batteries. And there is theory that shows that you can use super absorption of energy is what they call it. So actually quantum effects can make things charge faster and charge even faster the more you have. So you could have a battery and the bigger you make it, the faster it charges. So you, 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 could, you could charge a car faster than you could charge your phone. Right. But we don't have that. What we do have though are quantum batteries and they are double A's. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, made by Duracell and they're just alkaline batteries, but they say quantum. Right. Right. Okay. And that makes them better. <laughs> that does make them better. But they dropped the product line, so I guess they weren't good enough. Oh, okay. Does it also make them more expensive? Presumably at the time of release, I would, you'd pay more for the quantum brand of battery. Yeah. Mm. But then, yeah, they don't sell them anymore. So we're Sad. past the age of quantum in some ways. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I have a deep skepticism about the marketing of batteries full stop. We were at a, a service station driving through Western New South Wales recently, and my wife saw some AA batteries for sale that were Tesla branded, <laughs> or at least claimed to be, but they definitely weren't Tesla batteries. Okay. So does that mean in future you could have like a really, if you do have this quantum battery, say in, in a car or, or something, you could just be driving and somehow it would charge fast enough that like, well, you stopped at red lights, it would charge. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, the, the trouble is um, getting all this entanglement to work. I mean, this is all, I'm not in this research. This is all my look at, very quick look from the outside. But as with all quantum technologies, getting properties like entanglement and coherence to work require things to be very well insulated from the environment. So getting a real world product like a car to work at room temperatures, I think would be 
quite difficult because you'd be losing that entanglement. Yeah. And that's what makes quantum so hard. That's why we work with fridges a lot. I'm, I'm wearing a shirt with a fridge on it. Mm -hmm. And it's because to do a lot of quantum tech, we have to get to very, very cold temperatures where the environment doesn't mess up our behavior. Maybe that was Duracell's problem in the end. They, <laughs> they didn't realize they supermarkets. They tried to sell them here in Brisbane and it's <laughs> so hot. <laughs> they were like, oh, we forgot about them the having Antarctic to be cold. The market's not big enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even Cole's air conditioning is not cold enough. <laughs> so I, I want to pause for a moment and throw this to the audience. Were you convinced by Tim's use of the word superabsorption, or did that sound a little bit suspicious? <laughs> this right. seems to hinge on that key word in a way. I got mostly mostly hands at half height. So. Hands at half height. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Are we convinced? Quantum batteries? Would you buy a quantum battery? We got one. Okay. We got, <laughs> All right. For for people listening to this I podcast, think we, votes next time. we just got yeah. one thumb up. So yeah. I think. <laughs> I think we're ready to go to investors with this yeah. idea. We, we Quantum can batteries. This. And it definitely hasn't been done before. No, no. this is yeah, really this good. Is, this, this is really new. good. Yeah. All okay. right, well, we, we do need to keep moving. We have a number of other products that we need to get to. Kristen, do you have one that you'd like to sell to us? <laughs> <laughs> I saw um, earlier today a quantum refrigerator. Fisher & Paykel electronic 790 or 970 or, or something yeah. quantum refrigerator. Oh. So that's my pitch. Um, picture. Silver rectangle, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, a lot like many of the fridges you may see in in the shop. Um, I feel like there's a butt coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm immediately wondering: does it is one of the does it have features? Like, is it a fridge that has one of those front opening doors just for your milk? No, no, no just very plain silver, no doors, no windows. Quite well insulated, I imagine, for that right. re reason. Yeah. So, off the bat, does that sound quantum to you? Well, I mean, to me. Tim's already mentioned quantum fridges, but what you're describing sounds nothing like what's on his shirt. <laughs> it doesn't look like my shirt. I mean, if you if you put all the insulation around a, okay, a quantum yeah. fridge, maybe it looks a bit like that. So this is an interesting question then. What about its quantumness improves its function as a fridge in my kitchen? Mm, great question. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you'll find is that maybe you can have things like in the fridge at four degrees and in the freezer at say like negative two degrees at okay. the same time. The <laughs> that, that sounds a lot like superposition to me. It does sound, that's, that sounds convincing, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It also, I don't believe you can entangle fridges. Mm. That would be great though. I mean, imagine being in bed and just being like, I really feel like a beer and just like, getting the beer to, to, yeah. to come to you. Oh, That'd be pretty that's pretty good. good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this was a single quantum fridge well, I in mean, a, se a continuum of fridges. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so okay. It's, it's, it's discreet. Fr you it's put <laughs> every word into this. <laughs> yeah. A, yeah, a single fridge in a fridge playground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, love that. I love that, yeah. Is that what the good guys is? It's a fridge playground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. How are we go? I'm, I have to admit, I'm not deeply convinced. Okay, but okay. audience, how are we going? What do you, what do you, will you buy the quantum fridge? I'm seeing a lot of thumbs down yeah, and yeah. a few, a few I mean, heads shaking. What, what if I told you that you couldn't, get, in fact, get a real quantum fridge like the one on Tim's shirt, but it costs a million dollars? That price tag sounds more believable. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what makes, what makes that one? more truly quantum. So I actually love these fridges. Um, if you haven't seen one before, but you've ever seen any news stories about quantum computing or anything like that, you've probably seen these gold intricate machines with gold disks and lots of wires and stuff like that around. And that is not a quantum computer. It is in fact a fridge that is used to cool the components. Um, and my understanding is that the very, the warmest plate, which, you know, is roughly what, four Kelvin, so uh, mm. four degrees above absolute zero, 
works in exactly the same way as our home refrigerators do. But to get down to the even colder temperatures down to say 10 millikelvin, which is about 300 times colder than outer space, it relies on an inherently quantum process um, of a particular iso isotope interaction between helium-3 and helium-4 uh, that I would not like to provide further details of because that is the extent <laughs> well, of my research. You're off but, the hook um, because okay. I'm looking at the audience and they don't want to hear those oh, details okay. either. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but the one, one interesting detail, you, the, the bit that functions exactly like the fridge in your kitchen, it does, but the refrigerant, the chemical used as the refrigerant in the compressor of your fridge in your kitchen would freeze at 4 Kelvin. So that's why we have to use helium, liquid. Yeah, that's helium. also why they sound so high-pitched when they operate. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> do you <Sorry>. know? <laughs> that's you... not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's sort of it's half It's sort is. of half true. Oh, okay. I took you on, I took you like, I was like, it does say this is a bit high-pitched. It yeah, sounds it a bit like, <laughs> it's like a reversing truck in that that's yeah. sort of the noise it makes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I take it back, it was true. Let's just say if you did need a dilution refrigerator in your kitchen at home, it would be extremely annoying to spend lots of time in the kitchen. Right? <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a pleasant background sound. Okay. You've done a pretty accurate representation of it too. <laughs> pew, pew, are the carrots ready? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we, we don't even need to throw that one to the audience. It is, it is true, the, there are versions of fridges not totally different from what we have in our kitchens that really do underpin a huge amount of quantum research and quantum technologies in labs. And it's quite interesting to ponder on the fact that the sample temperature deep in the bottom of this experimental dilution refrigerator is much, much colder than anywhere we know of in space. You can get colder than dill fridges, but they're also in labs and they involve BECs, Bose-Einstein condensates and other things that are not the topic of this afternoon's podcast. As far as we know, the coldest place in the universe is on planet Earth. That's right. That's, That's pretty right. cool. So that is pretty cool. And, and if you get cold enough, then everything is very quantum indeed. Yes, I win. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I have one. Okay. I have one. And it's one that you may all have seen. And it's dishwashing detergent. Quantum dishwashing detergent. We have some. That's little tablets. Yeah, well, they, it comes in little tablets. Sometimes it comes in little pouches that are filled with gel or with liquid. But that's, that's why it's so quantum because it's discrete quantities of dishwashing soap. You don't get it in a bottle and pour it in because that would be classical dishwashing detergent. These are quantized. But more importantly than that, when I looked up the information on the website, it says because of the quantized packets that they are in, because of the way that those are made, it says this means that moisture and humidity can be a problem, even causing tabs to stick together. Entanglement. It says, <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is that entanglement well, or it says, No, no, it says they can stick together. Do not separate tabs if stuck together. That's clearly a warning against, the prop, against trying to meddle with this entangled system. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what would happen? <laughs> so I, I hope all of you, if you do have quantum dishwashing detergent, I hope, I hope, you, I hope that you are obeying that instruction. <laughs> I've certainly never tried to separate them. Yeah, well, don't. Okay. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, who knows what could happen? All sorts of wave functions could collapse. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have, you ever, have you ever meddled with quantum soaps? Quantum dishwashing soaps? I've never had them stuck, stick together, no. I have had like, you know, slightly wet, wet hands when you pick them up and you're like, oh, it felt a bit, bit, bit funny. Um, okay. Maybe my, my 
I was entangling a bit with it yeah. at that moment. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, I mean, it is also possible that you were, as an environmental influence on the quantum system, mm. you were causing decoherence mm. and damaging that quantum system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope that you're willing to accept that responsibility, <laughs> Jim. I feel like I've messed up a lab experiment. <laughs> the supervisor's mad at me because I've touched the tablet. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, what do you, have, I, have I convinced you? Is dishwashing detergent quantum? Yes. Oh, we've got a yes! <laughs> All right, we've got a lot of laughter as well. I'm not, I'm not sure that I've done a good, but I could try, I could up the ante. Yes, please. I have another question though. Can you, I mean, Quantum systems decohere into mm. classical systems. So can you turn a quantum dishwashing tablet into classical quantum Ooh. liquid? Ooh. Um, Is that what ultimately happens inside the dishwasher? I, I think it's why dishwashers have no windows on the front of them because <laughs> <laughs> because it might be something that it's not, it's not appropriate for an observer to influence that, the, the outcome of that experiment. Um, but yeah, perhaps that's what is what's happening. Certainly, perhaps. it's not discrete and quantized anymore after, you, after it's finished. In fact, mostly the dishwashing detergent is vanished. You put it in the little capsule holder, and then after the cycle is run, there's no soap left. <laughs> I mean, at the very least, you've made me question why dishwashers don't have glass fronts. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> but no, please. No, up well, the I, I want to up the ante because okay, I okay. feel some skepticism from the audience yeah. about quantum dishwashing soaps. But. Also, while doing research on this, I came across the Quantum Soap Company, and their tagline is, join the quantum revolution, I natural mean, grooming products for all. I mean, the quantum revolution is a key theme. We talk about <laughs> that a lot in Equus. And let me read from their material. Welcome to Quantum Soap Co., the only soap company in the cosmos that gives you a good clean while stirring up a dash of existential wonder. As your friendly neighborhood intergalactic soap company, we are breaking light speed barriers and a few galactic regulations to bring you the finest space age soaps this side of the Milky Way. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm reading, I've quoted this straight up. I didn't make this up. So, it sounds like ChatGPT made it up. Well, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it's genuine. You can look this up on their website. This is true. How convincing is this? I mean, it's a bold claim um, <laughs> as to the only quantum soap in the cosmos. I mean, we don't know that much about the cosmos or I feel what, like they, what else is out they, there. They've triggered cosmologists, xenobiologists, <laughs> classical physicists, because they're going faster than the speed of light. Yes. And they're yeah. also claiming to be quantum as well. Yeah. yeah. And then, exactly. And probably also people that work in the soap industry. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's actually. I mean, and again, it might be excellent soap. I actually haven't experimentally tested this yet, but I am a little concerned at how much galactic, you, you, you pitched at the start, quantum is sort of the science when things are really small. They seem to be resorting to many very big things. The, our concoctions are crafted from stardust, which is true. <laughs> Every, everything on earth is the dust of stars. Meteorite minerals could well be true. Uh, and a few alien secrets that those men in black types just would love to get their hands on. So there you are. Oh, it's readily well, I'm sold available. Now. now that I know it's made by aliens. <laughs> so um, that's as good as I can do on soap. If you're not convinced by that, I think we're just going to have to move on. <laughs> there is, I mean, it said this side of the Milky Way. Uh, yes. Um, yes. It's interesting that they go from the whole cosmos to half the Milky Way. I mean, that's quite a reduction in. <laughs> they really scaled down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to buy some of this quantum soap just to test it because I am an experimental scientist after yeah. all. Yeah. And I think hopefully you can report it on the next episode. I will have to report, won't I? Yeah, well, given that there's nowhere else I can go with soaps, Tim, can, can you help us out? out yeah. Okay. 
Well, my, my second pitch is, is shoes. Um, ASICs are selling a pair of quantum, it's a quantum model of shoe. The, the shoe name is quantum. And like all shoes, they come in discrete sizes. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And that's, uh, they're inherently quantum. In addition to that, they have gel on the back. I don't know about gel and quantum, but the gel comes in 180, 360 or 90 degrees, but nothing in between. So I've got two levels of quantization. Are you saying that because you mentioned degree, is this quantized angular momentum? Possibly. There's some, yeah, there's some sort of angle going oh. on at the back. And, and I presume you can still balance on your feet either way, so it doesn't matter too much. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And imagine wearing a 38 on your left and a 39 on your right. Are you not a living superposition? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've heard that many people do have slight differences in foot size. Mm. Is that hinting that we are all quantum beings? Is that beings? a metaphor for life? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. So that, that's my pitch, quantum yeah. shoes. Yeah. And I think the, there's a bit of a street style effect going on. That's why they've got that word in there. But we can pick a tenuous physics link there if we want to as well. We should, we should pitch this as part of the physicist uniform. Why are we not all wearing quantum yeah. shoes? Quantum shoes. Yeah. The point about getting one in 38 or 39 and, and your point about people often having different sized feet is, is spot on. So is this the only type of shoe you can actually buy in different sizes? Because <laughs> that would, I mean, I'm in if that's the case that rather than having amazing. to buy 38s and Ironically, squeeze. Ironically, they don't offer that. You'd have to buy two pairs. <laughs> Well, yeah. you had me until then, and yeah. now, I'm, yeah. now I don't think quantum shoes are quantum anymore. Okay. No, a bit unconvinced, I have what to. What does the audience think? That was a hopeful tone of voice. No, <laughs> look, even, our, <laughs> even, lost our, one even our reliable less. thumb up is a thumb down this time. I think, I think we haven't sold that one. Okay. No. It was a long boat to pull. What, what would you, we're going to have to think about this afterwards. There's a business opportunity to design a real quantum shoe. I can sense in the audience they'd buy them. <laughs> <laughs> we missed an absolute trick. Oh, One yes. of you mentioned this gentleman here. Right, quantum shoes. You've got to be careful not to get your shoelaces entangled. Oh, nah. how did we miss that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. All right. Well, I have one. I would like to pitch to you quantum TVs. So you can genuinely buy these. So I think Samsung make them. There are lots of acronyms used with televisions, and there are OLED. And there are QLED. And the difference between the two is that the QLED is for quantum LED. Ooh. Are you convinced? Quantum TVs. How quantum are they? I mean, so far, we're about 50-50. Yeah. So, right? uh, yeah. Yeah. I want to I get the audience vote before we, we chime in. Okay, okay. Where are you sitting? I mean, this is obviously unfair because we haven't really given you much information. But on the basis of the marketing, would you buy, <laughs> would you buy a quantum TV, a QLED TV over an OLED TV. The difference is a little stroke at the bottom of the O. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe something about the TV as well. Yeah. What do you think? Are we onto something? Are quantum TVs quantum. So good, our reliable thumb up is a thumb up. Nice. <laughs> I think that the audience are falling into ruts at this point, and they're sort of like, no, nothing is quantum, or, whoo, everything is quantum. Okay, let's talk about this just a little bit further. The quantum LED TV is actually a quantum dot LED TV, and quantum dots are much, much more interesting than just drawings that you join with lines. Quantum dots are very small 
particles, they're nanoparticles. And in fact, the reason that they're so small is because they are sized in a way that actually confines this wave function that we were talking about a bit before, where electrons are kind of like waves. And by constraining the size of the material itself, when I say small, I mean five nanometers uh, across, roughly. So imagine, picture the size difference between me and the sun. It's about the same size difference, but in the other direction. Me to the sun is the same as a quantum dot to me, roughly, in a logarithmic scale. They're so small that the wave functions get confined just like a wave on a guitar string. And so there are only certain wavelengths that, that will fit. And if anyone in the audience has, in fact, studied some quantum science at university, one of the things that you would do as a textbook tutorial in about second year is a thing called the infinite well, where you basically confine a wave function and then arrive at the quantization of energy. And these quantum dots really do. They really do. And if you change the size of the quantum dot, you change the wavelength or the energy that the electrons can have, and that changes the color of light that they interact with. So quantum dot TV displays are using these nanoparticles, quantum dots, which use quantum physics to change the color of the particle in order to achieve more vivid colors. For those of you that like to watch color TV, which is all of us. As opposed to those of us who <laughs> well, like black and white TV. No, that's right. This is a large reason why historically quantum dot TVs weren't so, weren't so famous back in the day. Because <laughs> right. the only reason for a quantum yeah. dot TV is to saturate the colors even better. So it's all about quantized photon energies. Different colors of light have different energy photons. Nanoparticles that constrain electron wave functions. Not a lot of superposition or entanglement going on here, but heaps and heaps of absolutely textbook quantum science. And to add on to that, I believe the Nobel Prize that was announced for chemistry just recently went to the inventors of the quantum dot. There you are. And I have yeah. seen them in the lab as well. They're not just TVs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, um, the, the winners of the Nobel Prize? <laughs> 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 yeah. The AI's gotten really good. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess it's not even really fair to throw that to the audience anymore. Um, quantum TVs are genuinely really validly labeled quantum TVs. They are absolutely 100% at multiple levels making use of quantum science. I don't know. Is that the first one that we've been convincingly convinced of? What um, about fridges? What about fridges? <laughs> I think I won that one. Okay, you certainly <laughs> did. And, and soap, for sure. sure. <laughs> So does, uh, are QLED TVs better than OLED TVs for uh, that reason Well, then? very important. And I did some research on this and I found one very confident sounding reviewer online who claimed, no, they're not. Ah. Uh, I was very disappointed and I thought probably they're biased. They're probably in the, you know, it's probably big OLED money. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> o in OLED TVs is organic LEDs, which means a whole lot of horrifying chemistry. So that's why us physicists prefer QLED TVs. <laughs> No, it turns out that it depends whether, whether brightness matters or whether color intensity matters. OLED TVs are better at giving you those extremely bright images, which is good if you watch your TV in a brightly lit room. Quantum LED TVs, QLED TVs, are better at giving you those saturated colors precisely because of the quantum dots. Not quite as bright, so if you watch TV in a darker space, quantum TVs are probably better. 
Yeah. There's some consumer advice. See, we're a very useful <laughs> public service on this podcast. Do we have any more? Do you have any I've more? I've got one more. Yeah? It is, well, I was, I was scanning through. I was typing quantum this, quantum that. I typed quantum books, and I got a book on something to sort of, it was a self-help book, and it was talking about tuning into my wavelength and picking the right vibe and things like that. And I realized, actually, there's a lot of, Words in common day use, like, I'm feeling a good vibe right now. And we, we talk about this language, which is actually quite a physics language a lot. And there's a bit of, there's a kernel of truth to it, which is, which is this, wave-particle duality. Mm -hmm. So we used to think, oh, light's a wave, that makes sense. Wait, hang on, we noticed electrons were acting like waves. That was one of the first big quantum experiments. We got two slits and shot electrons in it, and they didn't just go left to right, they went like left and right, and they formed these fringes, and that implied that it's like they were going through like waves and interfering with each other. And we realized after that that even bigger things like, like atoms or neutrons, especially if you get them cold enough, will behave like waves as well. As a human, you are a thing. I am a thing. <laughs> I have a I'm quantum a person, wavelength. Thank you very yes. Much. <laughs> yeah. And if I, it depends on how fast I'm moving because it's, it's this really small number divided by my momentum. But if you do the math, I do have a, a wavelength. It's about, oh, I don't actually know how, you know, like gazillions and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. I don't know how many to string together. But if you did 0, 0.0, you'd write 32 zeros and then a 1. And that's in meters. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's my, that's that's my your vibe. Yeah. That's your vibe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that's describing how, how small a scale I'm behaving like a wave. It's not very far. <laughs> but, but there's a bit of truth to saying, you know, I want to tap into my wavelength. Does that mean that we could actually mathematically quantify the difference between a good vibe and a bad vibe? <laughs> well, are we talking about the whole room? I, yeah, I, oh. you have to pick your... Um, or pe people Observable. with good vibes, yeah. people with bad vibes. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what the measurement we're going to do on them is, but... Well, how did you work out yours? That was just my wavelength. So, yeah, we could calculate oh. their wavelength. Right. That's yeah. right, yeah. So you need to know their momentum, right? So that mm. means you need to know their mass and their velocity. Asking people their mass is a bit insensitive, Tim. No, yeah. but you can ask them how fast they're going. Yeah, you can do that. So, <laughs> the police are known to do that on a regular basis. So the police are really just checking your vibe level. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. I'm getting ready to tell the policeman that the next time I am present. Yeah, tell them their vibes are off. Yeah. See how that goes. <laughs> so the faster you go, the more momentum, and then the lower your wavelength will be. So you're, 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 you're less quantum when you're moving faster. And this isn't really quantum at all, but I just because I mentioned moving faster, I love the fact that in relativity, if you move faster, you experience time slower to someone who's stationary. So going for a ride on your bike not only lengthens your lifespan for health reasons, but also because you experience time slower than yeah. everyone else around you. A great excuse to go faster on your bike. Even. Mm. The faster yeah. the better. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting in dangerous territory. It's all right. You've got an absolutely watertight excuse for the police. Yeah. So. <laughs> health, health reasons. Yeah, you're also underage. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, very good. Kristen, do you have anything that you want to try and pitch? No, I mean, I was going to try and pitch to you that quantum physics is itself not quantum. Ah. But I think you kind of did that yourself in the opening by defining quantum mm. and then saying you don't believe it. So I'd not I say, job done. <laughs> job done. <laughs> All right, so is that the takeaway message of this episode? Quantum physics is not quantum. Yeah. <laughs>
Oh. It's all a scam. <laughs> we are just trying to market our research to get no, more money. No, it's still definitely quantum because of the need to measure things. If you never had to measure anything, then you would never have to worry about it being quantum. No, I think even that's not true. I think even <laughs> right. that's not true. You said it so convincingly, though. <laughs> All right, well, I have another one that I want to talk about because I mentioned I'm an experimental physicist, and this one really spoke to me. This is uh, quantum optics. So does quantum optics sound quantum? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah? I literally work in the Queensland quantum optics lab. So that's right. Well, then, I hope it works. then you may be all over this. The first hint, Tim, that you might be working in the wrong lab is that this particular quantum optics has optics spelt with an X, O-P-T-I-X. Um, <laughs> so so this, one, this one is slightly different to your area of expertise. Sounds cooler, edgier. Yeah, it does, exactly. Yeah, for the next grant round, uh, perhaps you should try and apply for some money for quantum optics. Quantum optics, it turns out quantum is a brand of fishing rod reels and they make a product called the optics. O-P-T-I-X. So it's the quantum optics. You can generally just go and buy quantum optics. You didn't need to pay all that money for a university degree, Tim. You could have just gone and bought one from Amazon. Technically, they pay me right now. They pay one. Wow, that's a good deal. Anyone else who wants to do a PhD in quantum physics, come and talk to Tim afterwards about how he managed to scam that. Nicely yeah. done. I did quite a bit of reading into the quantum optics. And to be honest, I found it a little bit difficult to find the connection. I too work in the physics field called quantum optics. That's all about the quantization of light and talking about photons, which I do so fluently that I occasionally forget my primary school age children don't natively speak photon. Um, <laughs> but that's okay, they will in time. Though it did say this though, on the blurb it said that the quantum optics fishing reel has a continuous anti-reverse clutch, which of course, Tim, I assumed means that there's no time reversal symmetry. <laughs> There's a magnetic field in there somewhere? Or? Uh, I couldn't even find a magnetic field. So for those of you that are, that are concerned about the idea of time reversal symmetry, I was too when I was a student and my supervisor came to talk to me about things that break time reversal symmetry and I was like, come on, why, what does this even mean? Can you go back in time? No, we can't, but we can still talk about time reversal symmetry. And this comes up in the, in the topic of uh, light crystals. Time crystals? Time crystals is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I got that wrong. Yeah. I knew I got that wrong by the look in Tim's eyes. <laughs> my, the vibes were off. My, yeah. <laughs> a mix of fear and confusion. <laughs> Time crystals are in fact a thing. They do not sound like they should be a thing. Crystals are where you have a periodic structure, a regular pattern of atoms. That's what makes a crystal a crystal. Time crystals are all about things that are kind of periodic in, in time. time. I remember when I was working at Nature, I think we published maybe one of the first time crystals and it ended up on the cover and I just thought, it's all downhill from now. <laughs> this, is, this is the dumbest name for anything I've <laughs> ever heard. I can guarantee that time crystals, people that work in time crystals have to worry about time reversal symmetry. Oh, so we're not all downhill from here. They have a, re <laughs> they have a reason for dumb Well, names. it's sort of downhill and then back uphill again. Oh. I think. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, you got yeah. me there. You got so me there. yeah, the continuous anti-reverse clutch. I don't. I don't know if anyone in the room is as avid a fisherman as I am not, but the. <laughs> I wasn't aware they had a clutch, but. You well, they do, oh, and this it. one <laughs> is an anti-reverse clutch. Not only that, but it's continuous, which of course kind of gives away that it's not particularly quantum. Mm. So. Can you catch 
continuum of fish, though? No, I was actually wondering... Or just individual fish? I was wondering about this, because you can actually put more than one hook on a line, and that way you can try and catch, you know... A superposition no fish, of fish. Yeah, or one fish or two fish. So that bit is quantized. I think the problem... See, it all breaks down, because as I started to think harder about that in preparation, I realised if you are fishing in the ocean and you catch a fish and a shark bites half the fish on the way up while you're catching it, then you've only caught half oh. a fish. And that is so, the only reason that yeah. this quantum optics is not quantum. It, no, it's all sharks. Because sharks. Because yeah. of sharks. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> so that's the problem with that. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. I'm feeling <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on, on the note of losing Tim and probably ourselves, um, I think that we probably should wrap this episode up here. We hope that in this podcast, we can make things as clear as quantum. Perhaps in this episode, we've not done a particularly good job of that. <laughs> to learn more about quantum physics, if, if this has sparked your interest and left you unsatisfied, then uh, you can subscribe to Clear as Quantum wherever you find podcasts, and you can share it with your friends and family, or even your enemies or strangers on the bus. And until next time, remember to keep your mind open, but not so open that your brains fall out. Yeah.